1: Hey everybody, welcome back with another edition of the Disability Law Show. Savannah Market, of course, is here, and our good pal Albert has returned for yet another week. This is getting to be an addiction with you, pal. So it's it's good to have you along. <laughs> Both you guys, of course, answering a ton of questions every week. There's uh, several different resources for you. There's always the phone number one eight five five eight Two one fifty nine hundred. Reach out any time. Help at disabilityrights.ca, and we go heavy as well on my disabilityquestions.com. That is a wonderful resource for you. There's much to be gleaned from there. Why? Because it's got a searchable database, which means you can read other questions from like-minded people uh, that have been asked to Savan and his team. They have been answered, so your question may be uh, completely fulfilled. If not, leave it there, and it will get answered, mydisabilityquestions.com. But, guys, we've got a ton of stuff to get through today, a bunch of emails, bunch of questions. Uh, who's going first? Savan, Albert? Who's I'm going,
2: going to go first, John. Yeah, I'm nice. going to go first. Uh, I'm really happy that we have Albert here. He's been uh, joining us for the last few shows. Uh, Albert's uh, LTD, long-term disability practice, uh, I is really widespread I mean he he practices in Ontario in BC, and in Alberta uh, so you know we we definitely field a lot of questions not only John from people who are having issues with their long-term disability insurance company uh, but also from uh, concerned family members and sometimes even treatment providers Albert has spoken to psychologists I have spoken to psychologists chronic pain doctors uh, and other types of health practitioners who who call us directly or email us directly in confidence, not divulging any information about their patients, but being very frustrated that their patients are having so many difficulties with long-term disability insurance companies who are not listening to them. Uh, So that's something that's going to be a recurrent theme here, and I want to urge any of the listeners out there, if you are a health practitioner and uh, you have questions about uh, dealing with long-term disability insurers you want to know how to prepare a letter uh, on behalf of your patient for an insurance company Please give us a call. It's going to cost nothing for us to have a chat with you. We'll explain to you exactly what insurance companies are looking for, uh, how to avoid common pitfalls. And Albert, actually, I was thinking about this this morning. I think maybe we should put out, uh, or, or prepare some kind of a to-do, um, not a to-do, to-do list, but, you know, some kind of a list that would be helpful for health practitioners, uh, to prepare these kinds of reports and letters. Because oftentimes, I, I think, I think there's mixed messaging. Uh, uh, health practitioners provide the information they think is relevant for their patients uh, for the purpose of insurance companies to review those letters, only for insurance companies to come back and ask for more and more information. And again, that creates sort of a loop. And the person who loses out at the end is the patient uh, who is unable to get their long-term disability claim paid. So that's something I think we can talk off uh, uh, off air. So, John, let me, go, let me go to a question that was posted recently by Kevin from Hamilton um, with respect to his LTD claim. So here's what he writes. He says, I've been on LTD with my insurance company for over three years, and they just sent me a package to apply for CPP disability benefits as well as an agreement regarding CPP and LTD benefits. Is this normal procedure? It says that they will have access to my severance and any other income. Does this include if you inherit any money? My doctor said that I would need extensive physiotherapy to get my strength back from being diagnosed with, I'm going to butcher this uh, medical term, uh, polymyalgia rheumatica, as well as tears in my shoulder tendon and right bicep tendon. Uh, I have exhausted my work coverage for physiotherapy and require more physio, but when I asked the insurance company if they would cover it, they said that they would not. Right after that, I received this package to apply for CPP disability benefits, as well as their agreement to sign, which they want the agreement sent to them ASAP. And they also give me a time limit to apply for CPP disability. Is this normal or do they know something that I don't? Your help is greatly appreciated." So a lot to cover there, John. I'm going to give uh, my best answer here and I'm going to ask Albert to uh, do some cleanup and yep. to, to provide his, his view here. So first of all, the fact that Kevin has been on LTD for three years tells me that the insurance company clearly understands that he's disabled, not only from his own occupation, remember that's the test you have to meet to be on LTD for the first two years, but also from any occupation for which he's suited for by training, education, or experience. Uh, And and that's usually the test uh, that you have to satisfy to get LTD beyond the two-year mark. So here we have Kevin, who has obviously satisfied that test, and the insurance company understands that he's disabled for a very long time. Now, why are they asking him to fill out the CPP disability application? First of all, I'm surprised they haven't asked him to do that earlier. Be that as it may, the reason an insurance company asks you to do that is because they will get that benefit. If you apply for CPP disability, and you end up getting CPP disability, you get approved by the government. Well, then guess what? The insurance company gets a credit for any amount you receive from the government for CPP disability. Simple example. Let's say you get $2,000 a month for LTD. You get approved for CPP disability, and you get $1,000 a month from CPP disability. You're not now getting $1,000 from CPP yeah. and 2000 from LTD for a total of $3,000. you are still getting 2000 And when the insurance company sends you an agreement to sign, really what they want you to tell them is, Listen, when you apply for CPP disability, you're going to get some kind of a retroactive payment. Usually, it's for about a year, uh, but it depends on the, on the case. They're going to ask you to fork that over because that was during, presumably during a period of time where you were receiving LTD benefits, and they want you obviously to understand that they will be getting a credit for ongoing CPP disability payments you're going to get. So that's the first part of the question here. Why apply for CPP disability? And we talked before, John, about the positives and the pros and the cons of of applying for CPP disability if you are receiving long-term disability, and, and we'll circle back to that a bit later. But he's also asking here, Kevin, is the insurance company entitled to severance or any other income that he receives? No. The answer is likely yes, um, meaning that the insurance company is likely entitled to a credit for that or or is entitled to an offset for that. When you look at your long-term disability policy, you're likely going to see a section that deals with other income. Uh, you're going to see provisions at state in, in many LTD policies out there. Again, remember, every policy is somewhat different, but most policies have these kinds of provisions that say that if you receive severance while you are getting long-term disability, the insurance company gets a credit for that or an offset for that, or you just have to fork the money over to them. Okay. Why? Because you're not supposed to be getting income in addition to LTD at the same time. Now, again, remember, if Kevin here is asking about severance, he's concerned, presumably, about his employment. And, and you know, we talk about this a lot, John, that at our firm, we specialize specifically in two areas of law, yeah. employment law and LTD law. And that's important because those two areas of law intersect. And so, if your employer lets you go while you are on disability, they potentially owe you not only severance but human rights damages because under most human rights legislation across the country across Canada you cannot let a, a disabled employee go um it, it's it's a human rights violation again w- with some caveats here and so there are ways to try and deal with your employment situation in a way that puts more money in your pocket and doesn't allow the insurance company you know to get their hands on all the severance that you are entitled to now, he's also asking here about inheritance. No, if you get inheritance, the insurance that's not income. The insurance company is not going to be entitled to that. But again, what Albert and I will tell you, I'm sure he'll say that too, we have to go to the policy. We have to look at the provisions of the policy. And that's really the answer I give to anyone who asks me uh, any kind of question that deals with what is the insurance company, their insurance company entitled to do and not entitled to do. What can they ask you to do and what can they not ask you to do? Everything is grounded in your LTD policy because remember, the LTD policy is the contract between you and the insurance company. The insurance company cannot do something that is, that, you know, they don't have a right to under that contract. And the same, the same thing goes for you. You cannot do something under the policy that is not grounded in the contract of insurance. So I'm going to leave it there. I know there's more to cover here about the physiotherapy, etc. I'll turn over to Albert. I'm sure he's got comments here. Albert, you must have seen these kinds of questions, uh, you know, uh, sent your way and people asking you this all the time. What do you tell people when they talk about severance, inheritance, you know, physiotherapy? Is the insurance, insurance company supposed to pay for that? You know, wh- what do you tell people?
3: I mean, every, you hit you hit the uh, hammer on the head there, everything is really grounded in that contract. Really, the contract or the policy, uh, and you can look to the benefits booklet. A lot of people say they don't know what the policy is. Well, look to the benefit booklet. booklet. It's not exactly the policy, but it basically is a reiteration of the contract. And a policy is a contract between you and the insurance company, and that governs absolutely everything. And every policy is different, so we can make ground-sweeping generalizations, But and, and, and there's a lot of similarities between most contracts, but really, at the end of the day, that's what's going to dictate whether or not an insurance company has to pay for certain uh, certain treatment, which in most cases they don't. Um, and it's going to say what sort of credits they're entitled to in terms of other income that you can or may receive. And just quickly, I mean, I've I've always, this has always not really sat too well with me. I see this all the time. And an insurance company often tries to get you to sign these documents. And there becomes a bit of a practical answer to this. So in this case, Kevin, of course, the insurance company is asking you to sign this document saying that if you receive any other income, then you're going to give it to them, and so technically speaking, that doesn't really sit that well with me. Because as as we've been talking about all show, the contract is what dictates what you have to do and what the insurance company has to do. And if they were already entitled to access this income, why would you need to sign another document uh, saying that you're that you that you have to give them this information? And so what I've been telling my clients to do is just to send them an, send them an email and saying that I would be prepared to sign this document if the policy explicitly requires me to do that. And so if the insurance company intended for me to sign a subrogation agreement or sign this other agreement, that uh, they would have stipulated that in that contract. And some policies actually do that. And put it back on the insurance company. If you're If you're not comfortable signing something, put it back on the insurance company. Ask where in the policy does it say that you're supposed to do that. And nine times out of ten, the insurance company is going to back off.
1: You know, it's, it's, I know we got a break, Savannah, but it's interesting. It's always that refer to the policy. That is, seems to be a common theme and something you should always do. Refer to the policy because that's the, that's the, you know, for lack of a better term, the Bible of the relationship between you and the insurance company, right?
2: Yeah, it's exactly true. And as Albert says, you have every right to ask your adjuster Mm -hmm. to show you where in the policy it says you have to do something that they're asking. And, you know, one of the, um, tenants of insurance law is that insurance company can't read something into the policy that's not there. It has to be explicitly stated. So if they're telling you, you have to uh, fork over money for severance, they can't simply say, oh, here's what the provision says. It doesn't talk about severance, but in our interpretation of the provision, it means that you have to fork over any severance you get. No, it doesn't work that way. Unless it actually says that severance is payable to the insurance company or they get an offset for it, they don't. It has to be explicit.
1: one 821 5900 Start with a phone call in the chat. Help at disabilityrights.ca to reach out through email. We'll try to get to some of those as the show carries on, but we'll take a short break and get lots more on the way. Disability Law Show on Global News Radio.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: Welcome back. Disability Law Show. Thanks for hanging in. Lots more to go here. You want to reach out to Savannah or Albert or a member of their prospective teams, you can uh, You can do so. No problem. one 855 821 5900 help at disability rights.ca is the email address we always refer to and by the way if you just go to disabilityrights.ca, that'll take you right to the firm website and among other things to be uh, to be learned on the website tons of information there of course contact there's also links to our long-running tv show as well disability law show that runs for about 30 minutes uh, pretty much across the country you'll find a station that carries it near you but want to get back to the uh, the email we were just talking about guys before we move on to our next one and uh, there's a there's another component there Savan we didn't really touch on yet right
2: that's right John it's the the email from Kevin in Hamilton and he was yeah. asking in the context of his long-term disability claim he says I've exhausted my work coverage for physiotherapy and I require more physio for my injuries. But when I ask my insurance company if they would cover uh, the, the extra physio, they said they would not. And so we do get questions uh, occasionally uh, sent to us or people call us and say, I'm on long-term disability, I need treatments, they cost money, I don't have the money, what do I do? And what I tell them is very simple. I said, look, if your LTD policy contains a provision that obligates the insurance company to pay for treatments, then they have to pay for treatments. Again, with some caveats here, it depends on the kind of treatments, what's the max amount, etc. But most of the time, they don't have these kinds of provisions, right? Most of the time when people go for physio or chiro or massage or any of those kinds of things, it's through their health benefits coverage through work. And so, you know, people then say to me, well, then it's not in my LTD policy, can i still ask my insurance company and i say of course you can and in fact you should and here's how i would spin it i would say this look if you have a disabling condition let's say you have a bad back john and you need chiro physio massage osteopath whatever it is and you've exhausted your benefits through work and your ltd insurer is paying you long-term disability because you can't work Why not put that in an email to your adjuster and say, look, I've exhausted my benefits, I'm using them, or I don't have any money. Let's say I don't have any benefits. Will you, insurance company, will you adjuster, speak to your superiors about potentially giving me a certain amount of money so that I can get this physio, you know, this physio, this this massage, treatments, etc. Now, they may come back and say, Yes, that's unlikely because it's not in the policy, right? But they may come back and actually say yes. And I'm thinking back about a case that uh, one of our partners, James Fireman, just recently had. He called me up and he says, Ivan, you're not going to believe this. I've never seen this before, he says. In my case, the insurance company paid almost $80,000 for treatments for my client. $80,000! right? Now, that's an extreme case, obviously. I mean, you're not going to see this in the context of LTD uh, very often. Uh, but my point is this. If you email your adjuster and you ask, first of all, you lose nothing by asking. So that's number one. You may get it. Number two, which I think is really interesting here, from a strategic standpoint, because uh, we're always thinking about that, what's going to happen if the insurance comp- company down the road cuts you off? Mm-hmm. I think that if you put to them early on that you've asked for their help to finance some treatments they said no which let's say they have a right to say no because it's on your policy that they have to do it but down the road they cut you off for any reason that's another thing that you can argue against them and say to them look had you helped me before I may not have been in the situation I am now in other words I remain disabled because you guys did not actually help me finance my treatments Right, I can't get that through OHIP. I can't get that through whatever my government plan is. I don't have health benefits for it, or I've exhausted my health benefits. You know, you guys have the money. You you guys decide not to not to help me with it, and so now I'm in the situation. So my point is, it makes them look uh, worse. How is that going to play into a long-term disability legal claim? You know, that depends on each specific case, but I think it's not a bad idea to put that in writing to your adjuster if you need that help, and simply say, I need this help. Will you, Will you insurance company, help me finance it? I don't think you lose anything by doing that. It can only help you down the road.
1: 1-855-821-5900 is the way to reach out. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Okay, I want to get to an email, guys. This came in. Uh, let's get to this. Uh, Savant as follows says, "I'm uh, from Sean, I'm permanently disabled on LTD. My employer wants to terminate me. Uh, Do I have a human rights complaints against him for terminating me because I'm disabled? And does my LTD continue without disruption? Can my employer do that? Knowingly, he is uh, breaking the law, causing me stress on top of my permanent disability I have. What happens to my pension? A lot of questions there. Thank you for taking my question. That's a lot of stress. I mean, you can tell just by the the sound of the email, right?
3: Absolutely. And uh, I'll take this one. Uh, So, Sean, thank you very much for emailing in. I mean, quickly, I'll say this is the LTD show and definitely we want you to email all your questions, employment, LTD, everything. Uh, so so I'll be brief just in terms of how, how in-depth uh, we, we go here, but uh, to the extent that you have other questions, you should definitely call in. We have a lot of employment law specialists. So that's... 100% what they do what they do on a day in day out basis and they can field all of your different questions but generally speaking no an employer should not be terminating you while you're on LTD uh, but your employer terminating you and you being on LTD is two very very separate things and so the fact that your employer has actually terminated you should have zero bearing on whether or not you continue to get LTD and if your long-term disability insurer takes you off of LTD because you were terminated you should absolutely give us a call that should not happen Uh, but generally speaking you're going to want to speak to an employment lawyer and see what your rights are generally speaking Employers should not be terminating people while they're on disability, and that often is a violation of human rights. Uh, You should still get to keep your pension, and I definitely get that this is stressful, so 100% call us and uh, one of our employment law specialists will be able to answer all your questions.
2: John, uh, just one thing that I want to add here. I think everything Albert said is is very relevant. Uh, Again, we see the intersection between long-term disability and employment law. And there are some slight differences depending on the province that you're in in terms of what you're entitled to get from your employer... Uh, Depending on how long you've been off work, you know, employers will often throw out these terms, frustration of contract, which is essentially uh, a a legal concept that says that the relationship between the employee and the employer has been now frustrated because the employee has been away from work for such a long period of time. The employer must move on. And it depends on the jurisdiction in terms of what the employer has to pay you. But, you know, the reality is this, uh, you don't know the law. Uh, your employer, in many instances, does not know the law. Many times employers are advised not by employment lawyers, but by corporate lawyers who, who make mistakes. You want to make sure that you are empowered. You want to make sure that you are, if you are on long-term disability, you're having issues with your employer or vice versa. You're employed, uh, and you're having issues with your long-term disability insurance company. And you want to understand what your rights are vis-a-vis both. Because again, there is, you know, they both intersect these two areas of law you can feel free to call us or just post your question on mydisabilityquestions.com or John, the one thing that that uh, website that uh, you and I often talk about on the disability show, Pocket Employment Lawyer, right? Pocket Employment PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca uh, which is a website that we had created. It was the brainchild of uh, uh, Lior, uh, the host of the employment show. Uh, and really it's a website that uh, allows you to get accurate answers within seconds Anonymously about your employment situation and your long term disability situation, right? Many people out there, John, go to Dr. Google to get their answers to questions. (laughs) And that's like the worst thing that you can do. Not only are you going to get, you know, really bad information, most of it is going to come from the US or other places where it's just, it's not the same kind of law that we have here. But number two, even when you do go to some law firms' websites here, I can tell you, I go through probably once a week i just make the rounds and i go through different law firms in canada uh, disability law firms uh, uh, websites and there are a lot of errors in the information they put out i'm sorry but there are a lot of the information is outdated a lot of the information is just wrong both legally and strategically okay yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and you want to make sure you get the right information so uh this is what we do you know we we have an excellent reputation in the field just go on our, on our website and Google, just take a look at the Google reviews in terms of the, the, the individuals we've helped, thousands of people that we've helped across the country in both their employment situations and their long-term disability disputes with their insurance companies. Uh, and this is what we do. We empower people. We help people. Uh, so that's that, John. Let's go to the, uh, to the next question here. Um, go ahead. Do you want to give our contact info?
1: Yep, I was, just, I was waiting for you to dive in there. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number, and help at disabilityrights.ca. Uh, take it away, pal. We still got some time. Yeah,
2: let me read another one that came in. This is from Kayla in Mississauga, uh, Albert. I want to get your thoughts on this. So here's what Kayla writes. She says, uh, "My wife's LTD claim with her insurance company was denied, claiming that they do not have enough medical documentation." She's currently suffering from mental illness, uh, depression specifically, and her doctor agrees that she's not ready to go back to work as of yet. She's currently on unpaid leave, and she's also having issues seeing or getting an appointment for a psychiatrist, which I believe her insurance company wants to base the lack of medical information on. The medical info that was provided was from our family doctor, and they also have previous medical information from last year. Please let me know what can be done as we're in a bad financial situation. She's also exhausted her EI sickness benefits, and we don't know what to do at this point. What do you think, Albert?
3: I mean, this is just one of those catchphrases that every single insurance company just loves to use. They love to say, I'm, I'm sorry, you don't meet the test for disability. Uh, the medical information is insufficient to prove that you ha- that you are prevented from doing the essential mm-hmm. duties of your own occupation. And almost every single letter that I read says that, followed by absolutely nothing after it. And uh, and, it, and, it, and it's just a, this little catchphrase that every insurance company loves to use to basically say, oh, well, we would we would have maybe considered your claim, but for more medical information. And they don't even tell you what medical information they're looking for. And it's very, very, very frustrating. So thank you for emailing in. You should definitely push back and definitely give us a call. They should not be denying you on the basis. All that I need to hear is that your wife's doctor agrees. And that's enough. The very fact that your wife's doctor, who is treating and who's probably been treating your wife for many, many years, says that your wife can't go to work. How does the insurance company know? Have they sent your wife to an assessment? Probably not. Have they even spoken to your wife's family doctor? Probably not. What sort of medical training does that one consultant have? Probably nothing. And I question these, uh, these adjudicators all the time. And the number of different answers that I get from them in terms of how little they know about the policy that they're tasked with adjudicating, how little medical training they have, quite often they're just coming right out of high school. And these are the people that are deciding whether or not you get long-term disability. Not, 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 not to say that they're not intelligent people, but often they're just making very, very quick and unbiased decisions. Not, not doing all their due diligence, not speaking to your doctors, and not getting a true sense of whether or not someone can or can't work. And then they love to throw these catchphrases back at you. Don't let them do that. Your wife definitely has a case. Obviously, obviously her condition is severe. She's been referred to a psychiatrist. So she should absolutely not be denied.
1: Well, those, those words, Albert, shake people off claim. They get scared. That's, that's simply, I think, why they do it, because people are unsufficient, insufficient. I don't know what else to give them. Okay, I guess I'm done for. And that's, that's how they win, right?
3: Absolutely.
2: John, the the insufficient medical documentation, Albert's right, they they throw this around all the time. In this case, it's interesting because they're basically saying that because she has not been able to see a psychiatrist, there's insufficient medical documentation, despite the fact that there is already a family doctor that has confirmed that she's disabled from working. This insurance company, I can tell you right now, would have to pay uh, uh, Kayla's wife's claim. If we got involved here, they would not be off the hook. And they know this they absolutely know this. If we started the legal process and they got a defense lawyer there, that defense lawyer would advise their client, the insurance company, that if this ever went before a judge, they would get hammered. But again, people out there, regular people, don't know this, right? And, and, and they can't take on an insurance company on their own, which is why we tell people this is what we do on a daily basis. We resolve these kinds of claims. They're not hard, they're not difficult to resolve, it doesn't take a long time, but you do have to get in touch with us so we can tell you what the next steps are. Then you can decide how you want to proceed, you'll be empowered, the insurance company will not be able to do to you what they've been doing up until now.
1: One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. If you know that number by now, keep it. Use it. Just call Savannah or Albert, a member of the firm, and just have a chat. Uh, it's help at disabilityrights.ca and mydisabilityquestions.com. There's so much contact out there for you. Really simple to use. No pressure. Just call the guys or contact them and have a have a chat. Lots more to go here, but we got to take a short break. In the meantime, lots more on the way of the Disability Law Show. This is Global News Radio. Welcome back, Disability Law Show, Savan and Albert taking all of your calls and information uh, during after the show, 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca. We we got a ton to get through, Savan, let's just keep rolling before we waste any time uh, me talking. What uh, what do you want to cover now?
2: All right, Johnny, so here's a question that was uh, sent to us or posted on MyDisabilityQuestions.com from Mm -hmm. Patrice in Cochrane, Alberta. Uh, and, and Patrice writes the following. I'm on LTD for generalized anxiety disorder. My insurance company sent me for a psychiatric evaluation after 10 weeks of therapy. I have not received a copy of the report yet, but my doctor shared some of the information with me and said the report was very much in my favor, and that if I did go back to work, he would only recommend a gradual return starting with 20 or 30% of my regular hours although he highly suspected that this would make my anxiety worse. My insurance company is sending me for a second round of psychology treatments. In brackets, she writes, they say they want to take a different approach. It's clear to see this new approach is to get me off LTD. The new therapist is suggesting I participate in Zoom yoga, Zoom knitting lessons, and also suggesting I start volunteering. I've not committed to any of this yet. Can you offer any suggestions for moving forward? Thank you. Before I get Albert's thought on this, this is interesting here. Uh, and, and in fact, it's the second time this past week where somebody's told me that the insurance company has suggested Zoom yoga. Nothing against yoga, by the way. My wife does it. Fantastic. I tried to do uh, hot yoga one time. John, I almost died. Uh, <laughs> so it's not necessarily for me. But, uh, but listen, for many people, it's therapeutic. Zoom knitting lessons. You know, I'm sure that's therapeutic yep. for some people. Look, this person has a very severe condition. Okay. An anxiety disorder that's been generalized. Uh, this person is getting all these treatments and, 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 you know, now there is discussion about that person going back to work. Remember that we are still in the middle of a COVID pandemic. And, and, you know, this has to be, I think, taken into account here because there's just general anxiety amongst the whole global population. So add that to what Patrice is feeling here. And I think sending her to work right now, it could be problematic. And even the doctor is saying, even the doctor, it looks to me like like what she's saying is that her doctor is reluctantly agreeing to a potential gradual return to work of 20 or 30% of her regular hours. But she says, although he highly suspects that this would make my anxiety worse. Here's the thing. Insurance companies, long-term disability insurers, love to send people back to work or force people or pressure people to go back to work before they are ready. Insurance companies don't care if you are ready or not. They care about one thing and one thing only, to stop paying you, right? That's their mantra. That's how they make money. They make money by getting premiums paid to them and then not paying claims or paying as little as possible. And so what I tell people when we're talking about return to work or an attempt to return to work is first of all, if you feel you're ready to go back, whether it's full-time or modified duties or hours, great. Speak with your doctor. If your doctor thinks it's a good idea and you have medical clearance, by all means, go ahead. I will never tell you not to try. But if you are concerned, if your doctor is concerned, you need to have that honest conversation with your family doctor or whoever's treating you, the psychiatrist, whoever it is. If your doctor does not believe it's a good idea for you at the present time to go back to work, your doctor has to state that unequivocally. And then you have to give that letter where your doctor explains why it is it's against medical advice for you to start a return to work at this time. Give that to your insurance company. And if your insurance company, despite that, says they're going to cut you off or stop your payments or try and pressure you, you call us immediately. Because we will help you with that. The insurance company has no right to cut off your benefits if you are not ready to go back to work. So that's my first point here. Second point, she's saying the new therapist is suggesting I participate in Zoom yoga, Zoom knitting lessons, and start volunteering. Here's my concern, John, and we talked about this before. I always tell people, when your long-term disability insurance company wants to send you for an assessment... To be assessed by a consultant, a doctor, whatever, whoever it is that's hired by the insurance company to review your case and to, to assess you. You have to go. You have to go to these assessments. But you don't have an obligation to go to a therapist or a clinic that the insurance company is telling you to go to for treatments. You have an obligation to get reasonable treatments. Every LTD policy contains a provision that says that you have to get reasonable treatments or you have to participate but you, you, you can choose your, your, you know, your treatment provider. You can work with your doctor and, and get recommendations from your doctor or your doctors as to where to go. And my concern here is that here you go. You have a therapist hired by the insurance company telling this lady, that she should be participating in Zoom yoga, Zoom knitting lessons, etc. Maybe she doesn't want to do that. Maybe that's not good for her. Maybe she's like me, and yoga is actually going to be, uh, you know, is actually going to not wor- not just not work for her, but actually make her feel worse. Counterproductive, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So you got to work with your own doctors. And I tell people... You don't have an obligation to go uh, and, and seek treatments from whoever the insurance company is telling you to seek treatments from. You simply have an obligation to get reasonable treatments in order to get and, and keep your LTD payments. Albert, I don't know if you have any suggestions on this, but we see this all the time. With Insurance companies want people to go to the treatment providers, not for assessments, but for treatments that they are telling them to go to, and people are afraid to say no.
3: Absolutely, and I, I mean, I per- personally Zoom yoga and Zoom knitting would not uh, would not calm me down. So I, <laughs> I, I i i can't see i can't see a lot of people wanting to participate in that, especially where they're where they're essentially, essentially being watched and viewed. And that's what the insurance company wants the opportunity to be able to do. And so I think especially if they are participating in these zoom sessions they're going to be evaluating at e- evaluating you at every step of the way and probably that's not going to be good for your anxiety it's probably not going to be uh, good for your condition and if that's the case absolutely you should be getting your doctor's support who clearly you already have in saying that you should not be participating in these zoom sessions and if anything is ever going to be contra or against your Against your doctor's sort of advice, you absolutely should not be participating in these things. You need your doctor's clearance, whether it's going to be to go back to work, to participate in treatment, especially for someone uh, or for treatment that the insurance company is telling you to do. Anytime the insurance company is telling you to do something, it's because they have an interest in it. They're not gratuitous entities. They don't do things because they're nice. They do things because it's going to profit them in the long run and everything is a calculation. So when they're telling you, I want you to participate in zoom yoga or zoom knitting, they're not doing it because they think you like yoga or they think you like knitting. They're doing it because a, they probably want to evaluate you over the zoom session and B they want to be able to, they want to be able to show that you are improving in your condition and perhaps show a certain level of functionality and c). They think that it's going to ultimately prove or help their case. So anytime they're telling you to do something that seems like it's potentially helping you, you have to be a little bit weary of that. But otherwise, I, I definitely agree with everything Sven has said and echo his sentiments. Ab- absolutely, they should not be doing these, these sorts of things. And you should be listening to what your doctors say first and foremost.
1: to reach out uh, anytime to uh, Savannah or Albert. Lots more on the way. Got to take a short break, though. Disability Law Show, Global News Radio.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
1: Hey, welcome back. Disability Law Show. Still a few minutes to go, but team, when we're not doing the show on air, you can still reach out. one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca. And another resource for you, free and anonymous, mydisabilityquestions.com. Okay, Savannah, where are we going, pal?
2: Okay, I have one last question here that was posted that I want to raise because, again, it raises some very interesting points. This is from Sophia. She's in BC, and she writes the following. I've been on LTD since January 2018. Recently, my insurance company requested an assessment from my doctor. He mentioned in this assessment that I'm able to do sedentary type work, but under doctor's recommendations, he said that I was not to go back to work until after my surgery. My insurance company contacted me and said, because my doctor mentioned that I can do sedentary work, that my definition has changed and I'm no longer able to be on LTD. That same day, they terminated my LTD. Can they terminate my LTD even though my doctor has ordered me to stay home until after surgery? Can or should I appeal this decision? should be noted that I have kept them up to date with all the tests and appointments I've had, and I even have given them a copy of all my doctor's notes, uh, everything I've given to my employer as well uh and and so John let me let me uh take a stab at this and then you know we'll get Albert's thoughts so first of all this we actually spoke about this case on the t- the last tv show i think that uh that we did together uh and, and this is interesting because again remember that to get ltd for the first 2 years the test is can you do your own occupation yep. that the essential tasks of your own occupation beyond the 2 year mark the, the test is can you perform the essential tasks of any occupation for which you're suited for by training education or experience. And typically when we look at that change of definition at the two-year mark between own occupation and any occupation, we're trying to figure out if the person can earn 60 or 65% approximately of their pre-disability income doing something else, another occupation. Nowhere, John, nowhere does it talk about sedentary work. That's not the test. Now, I don't know what Sophia here, the lady that wrote this question, does for a living, uh, but I'm assuming it's not sedentary work, because if your doctor said you can do sedentary work, probably that's a change from what her regular occupation is. And so the insurance company is saying, oh, you can do sedentary work, so therefore, you no longer qualify for LTD, we're going to cut you off. That's not the test. And the reason I'm raising this is because, again, insurance companies use every reason they can find to cut you off long-term disability. And in many, many cases, in fact, in, in the vast majority of cases uh, that I see and people that I speak with who call us up, it, the insurance company is wrong. It, they're simply wrong in cutting you off benefits. And so people ask, what do I do about it? What can I do? Should I appeal this decision? No, you should not appeal these decisions. Appealing a cutoff or appealing a denial of LTD benefits basically leaves the decision-making power with respect to the payments that are owed to you in the insurance company's hands. So what's the alternative? The alternative is for us to start a legal claim against the insurance company because what happens when we do that is we take that power out of their hands, we put it in the legal process. When we start a legal a, a legal claim against an insurance company, John, uh the insurance company internally switches um the department or the adjusters that are handling your claim. No longer is it the adjuster that was handling your claim before the legal claim. Now it's a litigation adjuster that deals with the claim. Their job is to try and resolve your case. They then get a defense lawyer appointed, either someone in-house or someone from another firm. And that person's job, again, is to try and resolve the case. Because once we start that legal process, we are now costing them a lot of money, the insurance company. They don't like that. The one thing they hate more than paying out claims is paying their lawyers to defend claims they know they're going to lose. And how do I know that they're going to lose? Because Sophia here says she cannot work yet. Her doctor said she cannot work yet. And yet the insurance company cuts her off the exact same day that her doctor said that maybe she can do sedentary work. So, again, I I want to emphasize this. You are not powerless. Okay, Your doctors are not powerless. You need to stand up for your rights. Give us a call. Contact us. If you have any questions about your case or family member's case, we will help you through, you know, we will help you through the process. We will tell you what you need to do. And in many cases, you don't even need to hire us. We'll simply give you this information and you'll be able on the basis of that information to resolve your issue with the adjuster or with the insurance company. But if you don't resolve it, we're here in your corner and we will, we will, you know, jump in and do whatever needs to be done to make sure that the insurance company, you know, pays you what you are owed. Albert any, Albert, any comments on this one?
1: Last minute is yours, Bell. What do you think?
3: Yeah, not, not, not too much, and we only have a minute, so I'll be quick. But, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, your doctor has ordered you to stay home. So that means, functionally, you can't do any work because you have to stay home. And that's the, a that's the quick, easy, and simple answer. So you should be getting that on paper. Get your doctor to actually write that. Give that to the insurance company, and they should not be cutting you off on that basis absolutely give us a call if they're going to do that uh you definitely have a case you definitely have rights and this is just something that the insurance company tries to get away with in every single instance don't let them
1: only got an hour on the show guys but uh, you can carry on for the next 23 no problem leave a message for savannah or albert there's tons of way to get in contact don't be bashful if you're calling on behalf of a uh, colleague or a family member same thing applies 1-855-821-5900 the number anytime mydisabilityquestions.com free and anonymous resource for you to ask your questions with a searchable database of past questions and email still works help at disabilityrights.ca use all those get in contact and we'll catch you next time disability law show on global news radio